The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right, it's time to talk fit after 40. Some of those challenges that we deal with as we get older and how to help them and even fix them. Grant Fedorik of Leading Edge Physiotherapy is our go-to guy. He joins us for this month's segment on neuropathy. Hey, Grant. Hey, Jay Lynn, how are you? I am good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I, I couldn't complain. Thank goodness we're going to have a streak of good weather. I think that's the most important thing we should talk about besides neuropathy is how we can all have a smile on our face for something every day. You always have a smile on your face, though, Grant. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it starts with a smile on the face. Everything else goes from there. So everybody, if you're listening, try it right now. Just while you're listening, take a little dose of leading-edge physiotherapy here and, and smile. You know, I always say I won't sing on the radio. you got to come to the clinic to hear it, but if that's what it takes to get people to smile, maybe i got to do it more uh, often. And I have been there while you've been singing as well. My goodness. All right, let's talk about neuropathy. First off, what is it? You know, it's really a simple explanation if we're going to make it. Uh, understandable for people but essentially neuropathy is just an unwell nerve and there's there's different forms of it but the most common one that we talk about and the ones that people at home would be aware of or might might be dealing with is what we call peripheral neuropathy Mm. and that that's when the nerves that basically extend from the spine out to the hands and the feet and carry important information to and from them uh, aren't well and that's what neuropathy means the nerve isn't healthy and essentially there's a whole bunch of things that can go with that as well all right so um if the nerve why isn't the nerve healthy then yeah so the causes there can be many many different things and i I do talk about a few that are most common so there can be structural damage to the nerve that means that's due to an injury for instance a hockey player takes a slash on the outside of the leg that actually compresses or damages the nerve specifically that can cause neuropathy Uh, significant burns can cause uh, damage to the nerves cuts or lacerations that travel under the skin and damage the nerves obviously those are all going to cause types of neuropathy more subtle ones from damage can occur as a result of just degenerative changes in the spine as an example so as our spine wears away and there's less space for the nerve to exit that can cause compression or irritation around the nerve root and that causes neuropathy Uh, disc problems can cause Mm. neuropathy anything that makes the nerve not function properly and there's a whole realm of problems that also can cause dysfunction in the nerves including disease process diabetes Mm. is a perfect example it's probably the number one cause of peripheral neuropathy as a matter of fact then there's autoimmune um, disorders like Guillain-Barre lupus uh, rheumatoid arthritis Um, I think you've probably heard the term Sjogren's syndrome Uh, and other kind of disease processes and then there's even um, metabolic conditions like hypothyroidism uh, disorders of the kidney many 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 different things can cause neuropathy and that's why it's so prevalent out there a lot of people are facing just you know discomfort and problems with their nerves so grant typically would it show up in hands feet down the side of your leg or does it 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 can show up anywhere it can the most common areas people will notice it are more like away from the the further away you get the more common or more obvious it becomes and that's more more prevalent in the hands and the feet Mm. so it's most common in those areas that's where it really really becomes bothersome to people and it's you know 
the best way for me to explain it to people is that there's a higher density of nerve endings as we get further away from the spine. And it's really important for that to occur. You know, when you touch something with your fingers, you can feel a tiny, tiny pin tap the tip of your finger. Mm. And you need to be able to have that fine discrepancy with your hand. And yet if you took two pins and put them a centimeter apart on your back, you might not even know that that was two pins touching you. It would feel like one. And so because there's a higher density of these terminal nerve receptors, it tends to be the area that we most notice it and becomes most uncomfortable. Is, is there a typical um, feeling of the pain? Does it feel like ants crawling on you? Is it tingly? Is it stabbing? All of those. Mm. So it depends on, and, and the presentation depends on which nerve. So we have three major groups of nerves that we talk about. Sensory nerves, those are the ones that are sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, those sort of things. Then we got our motor nerves. And so neuropathy can show up, as a matter of fact, in weakness in the tissue, because in the muscle, for instance. Those are the nerves that we need in order to fire the muscles. And then we have these autonomic nerves, and those are the ones that are responsible for breathing, digestion, our heart rate, blood pressure, things like that. But when there's neuropathy, it can affect all of those. And depending on the amount of damage to the peripheral nerve or how much has been affected, that'll, that'll tell us and show up in different ways as far as what people are feeling. And so it can be, like I said, it can be a matter of weakness or it could be those, those kind of feelings that you're describing, pins and needles, mm -hmm. tingling, uh, numbness, or just a change or an altered sensation. A lot of people will just say it just feels different when you touch on this area compared to when you yeah. touch on another side. So an example I have for myself, I've, I deal with peripheral neuropathy as a result of a ganglion. So a ganglion is like a, an enlargement on a tendon and because I use my hands and I've used them for so long and I use them for many different things, including golf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I had a tendon that, that became really enlarged right on the back of my thumb, right in the area of an important nerve that supplies the back of my hand. And, Unfortunately, because of that enlargement of that tendon, it compressed that nerve. And so I have this altered sensation in the back of my hand. And really, that's all I notice. If I were to rub one the back of one hand compared to the other, it just feels different. And so for everybody, neuropathy can mm. be a little bit different. It can, be, it can even become burning, throbbing, or even a stabbing pain I, for I've, some people. I've heard with some, some treatments, with some medical treatments or some conditions, that it's a little bit more... Uh, prevalent, like I've heard, neuropathy talked a lot uh, associated with with diabetes, uh, quite okay. often, and with with chemotherapy. If you're if you're taking chemotherapy for some cancer treatment as well, yeah. that it can turn up quite often in 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 those situations. You bet. And metabolically, there's a change in our in our body, and it, unfortunately, in chemotherapy, it's a very common outcome, and it's one of the things that we're treating at our cancer rehab facility, uh, and we do see a lot of that. Uh, is that once these treatments are complete, we have a person who's doing fantastic, but unfortunately, mm. unfortunately the sequelae of that treatment, which has given them their life, uh, has changed their quality in some way or form, particularly with neuropathy. And so we want to make sure that patients know that there are some things that can be done to mitigate that. Not necessarily in every case solve it or cure it, but certainly other ways to manage it because Presently, a lot of the approach would be through medication, and mm -hmm. we can get into exactly what we're talking about as far as management goes. Um, but certainly, uh, self home home management uh, through certain creams, as an example, using a cream like capsaicin that has the chemical capsaicin, which is pepper, in it can actually be quite effective mm. if you believe it. Yeah. Interesting.
Hey, listen, uh, how, do, how do we treat neuropathy? Yeah, well, way to go. Well, let's, let's attack it. So there's, there's a few different approaches. Number one, and probably the most important thing we need to talk about is if we can get to the cause of the neuropathy, obviously that's going to be the most important part. Now, some neuropathy, we don't even know what causes it, so we're just dealing with it. But certainly in the case of like a spinal disc herniation, uh, degenerative changes in the spine, what we want to do is alleviate what is causing the, that irritation of the nerve itself. So we got to start there if that's possible. Um, when that's not possible, then there's obviously medications that, if, that physicians are um, best people to talk about, but there's everything from antidepressants used to help manage yeah. neuro, um, neuropathy to anti-seizure medicines, like what we talk about gabapentin or Lyrica. Mm. Um, I talked about capsaicin as, a, as something that somebody can manage at home. But when you're, when you're coming into our facilities, we utilize whatever we can to essentially either increase circulation around and bring oxygen in, the important um, fundamental things that nerves need and that they're not getting. So uh, we've got various treatments that we'll utilize for that. Everything from low-level laser is a good example is showing quite strong um, evidence now for dealing with peripheral neuropathy. Uh, we'll often use acupuncture to basically provide a stimulus to the distal nerves. If you think about what acupuncture does, taking out the traditional Chinese medical approach to it, but essentially when you're using acupuncture, you are stimulating those distal nerves and mm. providing some feedback mechanism for those nerves. And essentially you're also creating a healing environment because in fact, when you do puncture the tissue, you get an increase in circulation around it. If anybody's had it, they've looked at the spot where they had acupuncture and you'll see a little red spot around that. That obviously due to an increase in circulation around the area. Boy, oh boy, I'm going to get dry throat here talking about all the different, <laughs> all the different things that we, that, uh, we do at a, in physio for it. Certainly movement and exercise can play a mm. role because we want to unload that nerve. I and mean, there's, in some cases, neuropathy is actually caused by adhesions along the nerve track. And so what we can do is specific functional exercises that alleviate, uh, we like to use the term sometimes flossing, but essentially giving that nerve, uh, the nerves uh, stretch. Yes, it sounds strange, but we actually can isolate those nerves and alleviate some of the tension across them as well. Um, and then, so exercise is a huge component dealing with the symptoms with some of our local modalities to alleviate any inflammation and, and, and so forth. That's ultimately what you're going to get when you get a physio treatment aimed at dealing with neuropathy. But the good news is, is that it's treatable. There's a number of different options uh, that, you know, before you have to go to something more extreme. Yeah, there's, there's certainly, there's strategies that we can utilize to help people either cope with or sometimes get rid of neuropathy if, if that's possible, certainly. I don't make any promises on the radio, but certainly it's something <laughs> that we can help people with. All right. Uh, here's a question for you from one of our listeners. It says, uh, this is from Jill. What is, what is Grant's take on medicine for decades-long chronic pain versus exercise therapy? Uh, well, what is my take? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Um, I think that I think we need to start with the fact that it depends on what the medication is for and how essential it is. But but there's number one, there's a combination. Sometimes it's the combination of the two. But in any instance where you can manage a problem without medication, mm -hmm. I think that it's fairly obvious that that would 
be my my leaning. Uh, obviously, that there are some medications that people need to to uh, function, and and we can't discount the fact that their modern medicine is helping people live better and longer than ever before. So. So it's definitely a conversation worth having, but one-on-one, and, and it's unique to everybody's situation. So, Grant, I'm in the studio today at 6.30, Chad, and Don's been holding patience patiently. I'm going to try oh, nice. to put you both on here. Oh, hold on a second. Okay, hold on a second, both of you. I need to do this, do this, and do this. There we go. Don, you're on the line with Grant. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you, Don? The reason I'm calling is... Luck would have it for me. Yesterday I was riding my bike and I jammed my shoulder and it didn't really hurt much at the time. But when I was riding, doing my bike ride, I went to put my bike in the truck. I couldn't lift my arm up. So I've been icing it for the last day and a half. I just want to know what should a person do when they first get injured? I, mean, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing here. Hey, great question, and yours is not a unique situation, especially around the shoulder, so I'll, I'll kind of frame this for you. Number one, you did the right thing by us going to ice in the initial stage of 24 to 48 hours because you want to reduce the inflammation. Yes, inflammation, for those listening, is an important part of the healing process, but too much of it, and particularly in the early stage when you've got a lot of pain and inhibition of due to the inflammation, it'll prevent you from actually being able to move your arm. So those of you who've read that you shouldn't ice, it's, it's not that simple. In fact, I would advocate using ice in that early stage for him. Um, the second thing is don't panic. Just because you can't move your arm doesn't mean that you necessarily torn something. While that can be an indicator later on that there's something, some more damage done, the initial body's response to those kind of injuries is to protect it. And so it's going to inhibit. It's not going to let you move it early on. And that's one of the reasons why we need to address the problem really quickly. Because one of the things that we can do when you're in the clinic is address what level of damage has been done and whether, in fact, you should be moving it or resting it. And so that's not so easy to answer early on. But I would err on the side of easy movements below your shoulder level, pain-free movements. Don't push it through pain at this stage until you've had it properly assessed. So there you go, Don. Thanks for the phone call, Grant. I'm going to just put you on hold here again uh, for a second and bring you back. Um, it's, it's, LeadingEdgePhysio.com is the website that people need to go to to check things out. Uh, we're almost out of time. Mad Jim says um, he's he has a shooting pain in his left leg from his lower back to his foot, and his foot tingles like it's asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been told it's my hamstring. I'm doing exercise. Is there anything else I should be doing? I can't stand for long without pain, and I just started walking again. It's been good for about six weeks so far. Um, no, actually, I suggest that it's not necessarily just the hamstring, particularly if you've got numbness. Um, while that can happen, if it's, if it's actually radiating all the way from the back down, it's very likely that it could be a back issue. Again, I can't answer the, over, the, over the radio. I wish I could. But it is something that if we get a chance to assess a person, we take them right from the, from the history through an assessment and we can determine what the source of the problem is and this would be something that we'd lump into a neuropathic problem if he's got numbness but it's also something that it sounds like we can get to the source of which is the back and if we can address that 
what is compressing the nerve and causing the problem, then we can sort out the problem for him. All right. With him. I shouldn't say for. <laughs> it's a team approach. I mean, this, is, this isn't all us. Don't just expect to come in and we wave a wand and you no, feel better. You got to put team, some work in. It's a team approach. That's what we've got going on at Leading Edge. It yeah. sure is. Grant, thanks for joining me again. I'm going to urge people to check out the website at leadingedgephysio.com. Uh, some people are like, well, what phone number? I said, well, depending on which, there's so many different, you have a number of different locations now. So I'm going to try and point some folks in the right direction. Again, leadingedgephysio.com. There is an Ask the Physio button on there. Someone will get back to you. Uh, Grant, always great to talk with you. We'll do it again next month. My pleasure. Those listening, if it's more significant neuropathy, reach out to our gateway location. Christy is specifically trained and uh, manages this on a daily basis. Sounds great. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Grant. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye, Grant.